we're starting um, through July and August. We're going to teach on the book of Genesis for the next eight or nine weeks. And um, we have a number of us who are going to take slots. <clears throat> I think John Mark's actually next. And we have Al Sergal and um, Andy Squires and maybe a couple other folks. So it's going to be, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm coming, but I'm not going to say anything. Their turn. I have a daunting task this morning, and it's to walk us through the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, the creation and the fall of man, and um, there, there are so many ways to do it, and I don't know that a half an hour is long enough to teach on Genesis 1, 1, and 2 verses 1 and 2 in chapter 1, never mind all three of those amazing, amazing chapters. But um, as, I've, as I've been studying, um, the book of Genesis is a primary source for hope and a future if you understand and, and believe what we find there. Uh, from the book of Genesis, we discover that we're not an accident of nature. But each one of us is actually a creation of God. And when you, study, when you study creation, you find that when God creates something, it has a particular design. Design reveals function, and function reveals purpose. And when you fulfill your purpose, that's called having fulfilled your destiny. And one other aspect to it I think we need to really recognize is if we were in fact created by a creator, we're accountable to him for what we do with our lives. Um, for the last, oh, I don't know, guessing 100, 150 years, there's been a huge attack on the minds of people to take away the truth that God's a creator. Because once you destroy the truth that God's a creator, everything else unravels. The rest of that unravels. The design concept unravels. Um, the function understanding unravels. What your purpose is unravels. And the fact that we are accountable to God really does too. And so it's, it's I think, vital to um, take seriously the, the book of Genesis. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to address a number of different things. I'll cover a few of them up front here. The first one is this. Were the seven days of creation 24-hour days, and do we have to believe that to be an authentic Christian? How many of you think that's a good question? question. I think it's an awesome question. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Andy. That was a... I love Andy. Who loves Andy Squires? And Mark Mathis did a great job. And then we had Kelly Charpentier and that old man in the corner, Leo. <laughs> I meant young Leonard Jones. He keeps bleaching his beard white to look older, I think. So. 
Uh, me. Okay, moving right along. Now, why is it important to believe that God created all things? That's another great question. How does the creation story reveal to us who we are and what our purpose is? And what does the creation story tell us about mankind's beginning? And what do we learn from the fall of Adam and Eve? That ought to be easy to answer all those, right? <laughs> Not so. But I wanted to read a number of verses. And um, let me ask you a question. I want, I want to vote. I can read these verses and you can sit there and listen to them. Or I have them all on the screen and we can look at them together. Which would you prefer? Screen. All the screenites say aye. Aye. Everyone else be quiet. (laughs) Good choice. All right, let's go here. Uh Uh-oh. I keep... uh, What, 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 what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay, how about that? Now, I need to, come on, me, what's the matter? Somebody, somebody needs to help me. You'd think I'd figure this out. I've got these verses at the end because I wasn't sure I was going to use them because sometimes people, when they read out loud, don't say anything, and it hurts my feelings. Okay, now, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We've got dominion over creeps. And there are some out there, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be one. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. How did he create him? Male and female. He created them. Verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis 1, 31, and chapter 2, 1 and 2. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was what? Very good. Actually, he says that each time, each day, he says, and it looked and it was good until he created man. And when he created man, he said, and it was very good. That's what God thinks of us. There's a lot of stuff that's good but there's certain things that are, and you're one of them. Thus, the heavens and the earth. I read that first verse, right? 
No. Okay, let's go back and read it. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God did what? Formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That's, that's so tremendous. Something um, I don't want to forget, so I'm going to say it right now. A friend of mine has had amazing encounters with an angel. How many of you believe angels are legit? Sure. Awesome. Cool. This angel told him, here we see God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. This angel told this friend of mine, if you could smell the breath of God, you would know you were loved. Isn't that an incredible concept? That's what this angel told this guy. Because this angels don't understand why we don't know how much God loves us. It bothers them that it won't register with us at the level they know it really could. So the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground. It's amazing. We're going to see that there was a conflict between God and the devil, and God threw the devil out of heaven or wherever he was. And he landed, we're going to see here in a minute, in the earth. And God came up with a plan. Here's what I'm going to do to frustrate the devil. I'm going to create someone who can overcome him, and I'm going to create him out of dirt. That's right. That's what he said. And if you read the book of Ephesians, there's some scripture there that talks about the wisdom. God's wisdom is to be a demonstration what God does is to be a demonstration to the principalities and powers of his manifold wisdom. So we don't even understand what that's all about. But God, and here's what we discover. The battle is really not between God and the devil. That is, there's no match. There's no match. The real battle is between the devil and humanity. If we don't understand that, we don't really understand the fact that we were born into a war zone. And if you don't understand that you've been born into a war zone, you're getting your lunch taken. And you don't even know that's what's going on. So there's a whole lot more to say about that. But God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became what? A living being. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. One comment I'll make here. I don't know if I'll get back to it. Why would God put something in paradise that could ruin paradise by making a bad choice? It's, well, you can say free will, but what really is the purpose of free will? Here's the purpose. God did not create robots that had to love him. 
he valued people who make choices and decisions about loving him because you don't have to. And so when Adam and Eve were ate from that tree, I don't care if it was apples, pears, peaches, it wasn't the point. But when they ate in disobedience, what they in essence did was they gave up the authority God had delegated to them to the devil. That's what they actually did when they disobeyed. Let's go on. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God... Oh, I'm sorry. I woke myself up reading out loud because I... And he said to the woman... What did he say to the woman? Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Then the serpent said to the woman, classic. God doesn't know what he's talking about. Verse 5, you shall not, you're not surely not. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. There you have it. That's why you're the way you are. Simple. A couple of verses I didn't put up there is that after Adam and Eve partook of that fruit, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then God called out to Adam and Eve, where are you? And they said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? There's a joke to be made there. I'll pass. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And then we skipped down and the Lord God said to the woman, actually said to the man. He held the man responsible first. How many of you appreciate that? Ladies. Come on, that's true. It was Adam's fault. We blame Eve, but it was Adam's fault. And Eve's fault, but it was Adam's. Come on. These poor women take it in the neck all the time. Women are awesome. Give it up for women. Come on. All right. And I am a man's liber, by the way, but uh, no, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> so we find here at the um, middle of chapter 3, the Lord God calls to the man and the woman. They run away. They're hiding. They discover that they're naked. The Lord asks them. It's amazing that the Lord, you know, um, it, it bothers me. And I've been guilty of this when people accuse public figures of things. Even when they do wrong, accusation is the devil's primary means of destroying people's lives. And um, I, I get disturbed by, I'll just say this, I get disturbed by the way our president behaves. But my job is not to accuse him. My job, and the Bible says our job is, no matter what side of the fence we're on, to pray for him. And what happens is 
the primary method the devil uses to ruin people's lives and to ruin your life is accusation. How many of you wake up in the morning with a weird negative feeling? Guess what that is? That's the devil having accused you through the night. It's that simple. What would happen if the whole Christian church quit accusing people even of the wrong they had done and honest to goodness just started praying? What would happen? What really would happen? But the problem is we we feel so noble when we can identify somebody's obvious problems and want to rebuke them over it. The only problem is it's not our job. We're not staying in our lane. It really, I believe this, it really is the church's fault the world's in the shape it's in because we don't take to heart the, the, the things the Lord has shown us to do that truly, truly make, make a difference. And so God doesn't even accuse Adam of having done the wrong he had done. Are you listening to me? He asked him, Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, it was that woman. Classic. And the woman acts the same way. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent. The devil made me do it. The only person out of those three, Adam, Eve, and the devil, that didn't make excuse was the devil. And you are pretty messed up when the devil is more righteous than you are, ladies and gentlemen. Let me please just simply make that one point. I have never heard anybody ever say that. That's either divine revelation or so outrageous we should just keep going. So, I have given you sort of the, um, oh, come on, behave. Somebody just, uh, somebody just shoot me. No, here we go. There we are, there we are, there we are, there we are, there we are. Okay, let's try to cover as much of this as we can. When you look at the seven days of creation, here's what you find. Day one, light was created. Is that up there okay? Yeah. Day two, sky and the water. Day three, the land, the seas, and vegetation. Day four, what was day four? Say that together. Now, I have a problem. How were the first three days, 24-hour days, if the sun wasn't actually created until the fourth day? How many of you know what a 24-hour day actually is? It's when the earth goes around one time. That is called a a 24-hour day. Now, there are some people that will... Honestly, believe you don't believe the Bible if you don't believe day one, day two, day three were 24-hour days. I personally don't care what you believe about that. It doesn't matter. You don't have to believe in a 24-hour day to be saved and go to heaven. However, there are thinking people who have been ostracized for having believed something that Augustine believed. He didn't believe in a 24-hour day. R.C. Sproul, who's a great 
man of the word. He says he doesn't know how old the earth is. He does not believe the Bible clearly tells you. Day five, fish and the birds. Day six, animals, man and woman. And day seven was the day of rest. So I don't believe the Bible requires that you believe in seven 24-hour days of creation to be a true believer. Is that okay with everybody? But if you do, that's good. Let every man be fully persuaded in their own mind. I just have trouble with how you have a 24-hour day when you don't have a son. Just, just say it. And the definition for day, day one, day two, is varied in the Scripture based on whatever the writer intends for it to mean. There's the day of the Lord. Is that a 24-hour day? No, it's a season. It's an era. It's a period of time. Joel chapter 2, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. What, was it just going to be two days? Or how about this? But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So there's the thousand years as one day concept, which some people therefore decide the earth is 7,000 years old, when it probably isn't. I have a feeling it's much older than that. Now, everybody okay? I want you to think. Who said yes real loud? I like that. That's very helpful. That's enough. Thank you. (laughs) Never mess with a man who's got the mic. That's what it all boils down to, ladies and gentlemen. Now, why is it important to believe that God created all things? Well, I mentioned this earlier, but I've got this little graph up here. The idea of a creator means that there's a design. If there's a design, then there's a function. If there's a function, it begins to show you what your purpose is. Your purpose reveals your destiny, and your destiny fulfilled brings you to a point that when you're accountable to God, you're in good shape with Him. Now, that's a little simplistic concept, but when you take out the idea of a creator, all the rest of it falls apart. You can be any. Listen, um, I'm not going to say what I was about to say. Moving right along. However, it's important to... No, you're, you're not a mistake. You, you, no matter how you were born, in or out of wedlock, you are still not a mistake. God picked the elements that precipitated the pregnancy between the man and the woman. He chose which seed of the man and which egg of the woman would find themselves and form you. You're not a mistake. Why do we know you're not a mistake? Because we believe that God's a creator. We believe that we're part of his creation. We believe that since we're part of his creation, we have, been, we have built into us design. We're designed for certain things. Our equipment reveals part of our design. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Male and female, it goes on down through there, which brings us to the fulfillment of our destiny. So I believe that's why, in a nutshell, it's important to believe that God created all things. Now, what is mankind's purpose according to what we find here in Genesis? Um, when we read in one, Genesis 1, 1 and 2, and I'm going to tell you my opinion. Say this together. This is Robin's opinion. 
doesn't mean I'm right. It just means this is what I really believe, and I'll, I'll give uh, reasons. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Let's say that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then verse 2 says something to me that is unusual. It says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I personally do not believe God creates things that are without form and void. Without form means to lie waste or be desolate. How many of you would believe when God created something, he would create it desolate? I don't believe he did. Void, an undistinguishable ruin. That's what those two words mean. Here is what I believe. I believe, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 33, that God is not the author of confusion, which means instability, disorder, commotion, confusion, or tumult, but of peace, and that it's very interesting to me that when we are first in the Bible introduced to the devil as the serpent, he is already in the world. He's already there. I believe what happened was part of what the devil did when he fell was try to destroy the creation to the best of his ability. Makes perfect sense. So therefore, God said this. I want to reverse what the serpent's done. What am I going to do? I know what I'll do, and I'll do it in such a way that will thoroughly humiliate him and cause him to understand how severe his behavior has been. I will find some dirt. Mentioned this earlier. Out of that dirt, I will breathe and create mankind. So that's what he did. Created mankind. So I can put it this way. My personal belief is that God's creation in its original form was not chaos, was not confusion, was not desolation, desolation or ruin. I mentioned first introduced to Satan. He's a serpent already in the fallen state and allowed in the garden. I believe it is fault. He destroyed the earth. God wanted to restore it, decided to create man of the earth and use him to do it. So he started mankind, made him of the earth, put him in the garden. That was going to be his home base. But then we begin to see what God actually has for mankind to do. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Notice let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then what do we want them to do? We want to let them have dominion. Say the word to me, dominion. Dominion. He created from the earth a man and eventually a woman who would rule, who would exercise authority. Then it says this. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
Another verse says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So let's look at those job descriptions. Let them have dominion. What, what God has intended for man to be from the very beginning is someone who exercises righteous authority in whatever situation he or she may find themselves. That was God's original intent. His design for us to be fruitful and to multiply. That would be to have children. We are called to fill the earth. Now, what I personally believe is that the Garden of Eden was a little patch of paradise on a world that did not reflect that same condition. And so God's idea was this. I am going to put man in a garden, and their job is to, through time and eternity, multiply, replenish, and completely transform the rest of the earth to reflect what the Garden of Eden does, which is heaven. Can you follow that? What was Jesus' primary prayer for the church? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so you see in the very prayer of Jesus, who through the work of the cross took back the devil's authority, began to reveal to mankind once again who they were called to be and encouraged them to agree. Now, see, the Lord's Prayer is not a prayer petition, ladies and gentlemen. It's a prayer of agreement. How does it start? Our. Jesus is saying to you, my Father and your Father, let's pray, let's agree. Our Father, your kingdom come. It's not a request, it's a proclamation. Your will be done in earth just like it happens in heaven. That's our job description. That's what we're called to do. That's who we are. So, is that okay? Yes, it's interesting. He says fill the earth. That's replenish, not just the garden. Fill the earth, not just the garden. Fill what? The earth. Subdue it. What was there to be subdued in paradise? Honestly, it was their own hearts when it came right down to it. But basically nothing. The things they were going to need to subdue was what they were going to face as they moved out from the garden and began to come into conflict with this being called the serpent. Everybody with me? That was what they were called to do. The only problem is they blew it from the beginning. So you begin to look at the fall of Adam and Eve. Adam's fall. Mentioned earlier that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was put in the garden to give mankind the opportunity to truly love God. How many of you know loving people is difficult? It really does require making the best choices and good choices. I believe God really loves to hear us tell him how much we love him. That's war- Did you know that's warfare? That's warfare. Your expression, your verbal expression 
in this world to the God of heaven is an act of warfare. You're basically saying, no matter what I have gone through, no matter what my enemy has thrown my way, here is who I am. Here is what I've chosen. I've chosen to love you. I've chosen to trust you. I've chosen to declare who you are, what your plan is, what your purpose is, for that is my purpose. We need to tend. We need to cultivate. Actually, it says to keep the garden. Guard, protect, and hedge it about. Okay, now, when Adam and Eve eat from that tree, what we discover are the change in their attitudes. They become self-conscious. Here are characteristics of the fall. People that do not believe in the basic concept of fallen humanity, here's what the Bible tells us are the characteristics of a fallen person. They're self-conscious. Anybody know anything about being self-conscious? They have to deal with shame. They hide from God. But they hide from God in a funny way. They take something God made and stick it on them. A lot of men hide from God behind the remote control. There are a lot of ways to hide from God. Hey, Donna and I gave up cable television. But we got a bunch of replacement stuff like Hulu and... uh, (laughs) What we really gave up was the bill. (laughs) But we quit watching television that much. I finally weaned her off of it. (laughs) That is the biggest lie I've ever told in church right there. (laughs) Jerry Seinfeld say, men aren't interested in what's on this channel. They're interested in what's on every other channel. <laughs> Donna used to say to me, I can't watch television with you. And I'd say, why? She said, because you're watching four things at the same time. I said, I know. <laughs> How many of you do that? Come on. Doug Corwin, I knew I liked you. I wasn't sure why, but that was it right there. Okay, and blame shifting. Common characteristics of the fall. The devil made me do it. Wonder what would have happened. Wonder what would have happened if the Lord had come to Adam and when he said, have you eaten from the tree? What would have happened if Adam said, yes, and I'm so sorry. Is there something you can do for me? Wonder if that could have changed the whole course of mankind. But we'll never know. But here's what we do know. It can change your course. It can change who you are. It's, it's such a normal thing when people get in a jam to blame somebody else for their problems. But there's no true way to freedom without taking personal responsibility for who you are and what you've done, no matter what anyone else has done to you. It's the key. It's the key to freedom. It's taking personal responsibility. Even though they may have done something terrible to you, that doesn't excuse them. But how you respond and how you react is your challenge. And no one, you cannot allow anyone the right to determine how you respond. You cannot give up that aspect of your authority. That's really good, Robin. Here's a conclusion, and we're going to get out early. (laughs) 
God gave Adam and Eve authority over the earth. They obeyed the serpent, disobeyed God, and lost their authority to Satan. Romans 6.16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? That's what happened. When they obeyed the devil, they gave up their authority. Jesus came to recover what Adam lost. To seek and to save that which was lost was not just about saving mankind. It was about saving mankind. It was about saving the planet. And it was about restoring to mankind their rightful place in the plan and purpose of God. And then he authorized us to exercise our authority to make earth like heaven. Now let me ask you this question. Does this shed some light on your purpose? It really should. It really should. And here's Eric. Uh, that was so good. Um, man, one thing I always think about whenever I read through Genesis 1 is this idea of self-consciousness. You know, one of the, I think everyone has at any, sometime has struggled with self-consciousness. You know, one of the aspects of self-consciousness is realizing that you're vulnerable, right? In order to be self-conscious is to realize that you're vulnerable. And what's, what's interesting about this story um, is if if God is truly love, then what one of the thing one of the like what Rodden said this could go on forever. But one of the many things that this story is saying is that when we hide from God, we take away all our ability to be vulnerable. Right? Who told you you were naked? Who told you you were, you were ultimately vulnerable. And what does love require? Vulnerability, right? And the greatest love, the greatest love requires some degree of nakedness, which is ultimate vulnerability. And so one of this story just has is such a deep, deep well of some of the most uh, human, you know, uh, foundational aspects of, of what it means to be human and what it means to be human before God and what it means to be human before each other. Um, so I think, you know, one of the things that we can do, you know, to let the kingdom come is to be vulnerable, right? To be vulnerable with God, to stop hiding, and to say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you with my vulnerability, with my nakedness, because you are the only one that I can truly do that with 100%, right? Because God is the only being that will take your vulnerability and make it into something wonderful, right? Yeah. All right, we've got ministry teams this morning. If, you, if you're on the ministry team, please come up. If you have a need, and specifically if you have a problem being vulnerable and you realize it, and you have a problem being vulnerable with God, and you have, you have a problem with hiding things from God, right? Which, in some ways, it's also hiding things from ourselves. Come up. Ask for prayer. Any other needs, obviously. Well, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you so much for everything that you do for us. Thank you. You are the beginning and the end of us.
and help us to enfold ourselves in your reality. Amen and amen and amen. All right, thank you guys. Have a great week.